You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. Podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma, Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's happening. Yeah, that's right. The show is called Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall, and joining me today, he's a real turkey. I'm so thankful for him. His darkness. Sup, Eagles, sup. I uh, I don't have any further Thanksgiving puns that I could do, but you are. Uh, I could. I was thinking about go- Gobbler, but that didn't sound. But that that move you just did probably would have worked with Gobbler. <laughs> For the YouTube audience, at least, <laughs> I'm just pumped that there's no more no more Thanksgiving puns coming. Yeah, thankful, yeah, yeah. I'm doing thankfuls or anything, are we? I uh, I hadn't necessarily planned on it, especially after a game like that. It's a bad week for it. It's a bad. Nobody's thankful for anything. Uh, so the Chiefs fall at home to the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football, with the entire nation watching, and apparently the biggest Monday Night Football audience since 1996. Um, Dirk, I want to start this week with one word and that word is confidence. So I'm, I'm sitting at my dad's house. It's the fourth quarter. The chiefs blow a chance to put the game away again. Uh, and they try to pin the Eagles back, but they can't field the punt and the defense does what it does. And so when Mahomes and the offense are then staring at a 90 ish yard drive with about three minutes and a timeout left. I find myself in the deepest confidence crater that I've ever felt in the Mahomes era. I think literally for the first time since he became the starter, I had basically no trust that Mahomes was going to drive the field and score to end that football game. And what's crazy is that I wasn't thinking about the Eagles at all. The opponent had nothing to do with my confidence level. It was purely based on how piss poor they've played in 2023. I think apart from about two to three drives a week, this Chiefs offense has been floundering around all season. On Monday night, the Chiefs defense gave Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid more chances than I can count to either put the game out of reach or make a play when it mattered, and they just couldn't do it. Score one touchdown in the second half, literally at any point, and that game is over. I think you're going to find it easy to blame drops, or penalties, or whatever, but I'm not a sucker. That's low-hanging fruit. 
this loss and ultimately the issues that this offense is facing, it's on Patrick Mahomes and it's on Andy Reid. And if you listen, they will own it every step of the way. Those two are in charge and they're the only ones that are truly responsible for getting all of these things corrected. If they do, it's going to be a special season. If they don't, then we're looking at a long, interesting offseason. Either way, the success or failure of this season rests on the shoulders of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Just like we all thought. Any thoughts on that, Dirk? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's hard to criticize it too much. I mean, they have not exactly done their jobs, I guess. Um, it's funny, you talked about the late... Uh, game situation. I too was not confident, as I'm sure a lot of people were not. Um, I also wasn't confident in getting that fourth and four that we punted on that was much maligned. Um, I get why you'd want to go for it. Makes sense. Normally, I'd be all in for that. And I didn't even think twice about it. I wasn't even sure where we were on the field. And I was just like, we're going to punt because we cannot, we can't move the ball right now. This is just a stagnant offense. Um, the funny thing is, exactly one year ago, last year, the exact same date as the game we played this year against the Eagles, we were in Los Angeles playing the Chargers. And Patrick Mahomes got the ball back with one minute and 46 seconds and two timeouts, down four points. I was in the building, and I was standing up and cheering and yelling MVP. We were down four points with under two minutes left in the game. I was yelling MVP in a road environment because I was so confident he was driving down and scoring that touchdown that it was it was just a matter of time. Um, and they did. And it happened. Um, and yeah, and we don't have that confidence this year. And it's and it's wild. Um, I mean, the stat that's going around, obviously, that everybody has seen, a couple different stats lead you to the same, you know, conclusion here. 5.3 points per game in the second half. That's the worst in the NFL. It's actually the third fewest second half points scored in the first 10 game of the season in the last 10 years. So that's going back not even this year where points are kind of down and all of that. Um, and that's the third worst in the last 10 years. Um, another stat, they have the biggest half-to-half -half differential in the NFL since 1970 to the first 10 games. That's plus 119 points um, going in the first half's favor to the second half. 172 points in the first half where they're actually second in the NFL. Um, so they're, I mean, they're, they're par for the course in the first half. And then the second half is just a disaster. Um, I feel like this wasn't on anybody's radar until like last week. And now all of a sudden it's just hitting everybody right in the face as we see in a, our third scoreless game in a row. But that stat has me absolutely shook. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it going into the game. I couldn't believe it during the game. I couldn't believe it coming out. Um, and yeah, I mean, that kind of points at everybody. I think everybody has to wear that. I think Andy has to wear that. I think Mahomes has to wear that. I think the receivers, obviously, nobody doubts that. Um, I think Kelsey, even though, I mean, in this game, obviously he made a huge error. Um, there's also the decline of Kelsey, which we may or may not get into, um, but that's not really his fault necessarily. That's just old age catching up. Uh, but I think everybody does have to wear this stat for a stat, you know, for I'm here for like Andy Reid shutdown mode. I'm here for like, you know, this is still a top 10 offense, you know, maybe top five kind of thing. I, you know, I could see that going through a little, a little struggles here. But to be in infamy like that with the dregs of the league is eye-popping. It, that one has me shook, I'll admit. I, I want to clarify that I'm not, I'm not assigning blame, all right? I'm not saying that 
this is Andy's fault. It's Patrick's fault. Uh, because truly, I, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, like fault can't be assigned to a single person or like a single, you know, play. That's just not how the game works. It, we all, I think, want to point at the drop from Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, reasonably so. But there's just so many things that happen over the course of a game that there's not like one thing. We can't pick one thing. But if anybody actually tried to, the guys that always take the responsibility are Mahomes and Andy. And, and even though it means that oftentimes they're trying to shield anybody else from criticism, like... I, I hate the phrase, but like the buck stops with them. And that's why I said in that monologue, like they're the ones that are responsible for getting all of these things corrected. They're the ones that have to be clearly communicating their expectations. Andy Reed is the person that has to step up. And instead of what we heard from Matt Nagy about how, oh, well, you know, Marquez made a really nice block and there's a lot of things that don't show up on the stat sheet. I'm sorry. I think Andy needs to step up and say, Hey, Marquez, you're going to sit this week, like you, healthy scratch, because I have to send a message somehow. And, and I do think, I know a lot of people don't want to point back to Eric B but like, I thought it was really interesting hearing Matt Nagy say, well, these guys know that like, we're, we're disappointed when they drop the football or they miss a block. They're professionals. They understand, and they know that they have to get it corrected. And I'm like, cool, Matt. I know that you are that guy. I now understand exactly your style of coaching. And that's just trying to, to speak as gently to these guys as possible and just say you're a professional and you know what your job is. And Eric B. Enemy is going to light your ass up. When he's in the media, he's going to tell it exactly like it is. And he's going to say, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done with, and he's going to come in and he's going to hold people accountable instead of just holding your hand and saying, well, we want you to do better next week. Um, and I think that that edge seems to be missing a little bit. And and I don't know if it's necessarily like a strictly an Eric B. Enemy versus Matt Nagy type of thing. But when we were thinking about like who is going to hold these people accountable, the guy that I think was kind of at the top of our list was Travis Kelsey. And that is where this conversation gets really complicated for me because I don't want to question Travis Kelsey. I, I almost want to refuse to do it. But if you've got people that are talking about we're totally bought in and we're doing this and you got to come to work and you got to correct your mistakes... Well, I don't think it's a great look for Travis to be fumbling in the red zone a few days after he was down in Argentina visiting his girlfriend. And and I'm I'm just saying, man, like how can some of these young guys who are supposed to be looking at his leadership and him setting the tone and this guy is at a World Series game and going to a bar on a Friday night before a Sunday game. This has been kind of Travis Kelsey living his best life and I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I don't think that Travis Kelsey is holding himself or everybody else responsible in a way that is like trustworthy, not because I don't believe his words, but because his actions are kind of undermining some of his work ethic. I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm at a loss, man. I, I really am. I am incredibly frustrated with this offense right now because I think that people keep trying to point to like, well, it's the receivers or, or it's the penalties or it's the turnovers. Well, all of that sloppy stuff shows me that a team, it's the t- a team that's not focused. They're not. I don't think that there's any excuse. I think that they have all the talent that they need. There is no team. They mopped that field with the Philadelphia Eagles and they came up empty in the second half. I'm so frustrated, man. I am I'm still two sleeps later angry at this football team. That's good. That's good. Um well you picked an interesting word there. You picked edge, um, which is I don't know if you remember, but from our preseason questions, that was actually the word they had inscribed on the inside of their Super Bowl rings just last year. Was was keeping that edge. Uh, and just that's that was kind of the mantra of the team, I guess you will. Uh, and that's uh, that's always kind of the big question if you're coming off a Super Bowl. Like, can you maintain that same want? Do you put it in every single day? Um, I, I don't... I, I, I do agree it's a bad look for Travis Kelsey. Um, but I, 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 I just think Travis Kelsey is so all in that I don't think it's that's the thing. And if it is, I think he looks himself in the mirror right starting right now and this week and gets himself right for when the games really matter. Um, because this was very similar situation. I actually looked this up because it was kind of funny. So Kelsey fumbled in a huge moment last year. Um, a very similar game against the Bengals uh, in a game we lost, the last, la- the last loss of the season last year. Um, we went through much of the same panic. Man, we can't beat the Bengals. And we, but there's always kind of the thing like, well, Kelsey fumbles there. He's not going to do that in the playoffs. He's not going to do that when it matters. And much like that game, the end result of this game, like the purely just the end result, doesn't totally matter. Um, the Chiefs can still get to where they want to go. Um, it's just a matter of time. The funny thing about those, in the Bengals game last year, Kelsey fumbles with 14.06 left in the fourth quarter. This year against the Eagles, fumbles with 13.21 left in the fourth quarter. Almost, they're up three in, in one instance and up, shit, I lost it, but it's either three or four points against the Bengals. I think it's four points. Uh, last year in that situation. So almost an ideal situation. Uh, Bengals is more middle of the field, and this one was more coming in to score. Um, but just, it's crazy the comparisons there between the two. But I mean, I, I kind of look at that as almost a promising sign. And because and I'm, I've got some reasons for optimism. I am still in on this team uh, in the long run. And we'll get to that right after this break. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. Hey everyone, this is BJ Kissel. We'll get right back to the show. I just need a minute to share some important news, but as always, thank you for the support. The KCSN Foundation just launched our third annual Soul of KC Holiday Raffle and Toy Drive, and it benefits Operation Breakthrough's Christmas Store. This campaign has raised more than $35,000 over the past two years, helping provide a better Christmas for kids in our community. And it's simple. We sell raffle tickets for a chance to win any of the more than 20 fantastic prizes that we have available this year. It's things like a Travis Kelsey autographed full-size Chiefs helmet, or a Chris Jones autographed jersey, a George Karloftis jersey. How about a Patrick Mahomes autographed mini helmet? 
We've got gift cards to local restaurants like Capitol Grill, Mission Taco Joint, or Third Street Social. You can find the full list of prizes on our social media accounts, or you can click the link in the description of this show. Again, all of the proceeds go to buying presents for Operation Breakthrough's Christmas store, and you can get tickets now through December 4th. Help us continue to help others, because that's what the KCSN Foundation is all about. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. The holiday season can be a time for great joy, but also extra added stress to your life as well. Whether you're stressed about possibly meeting with family, traveling, or more, it can be a difficult time during the holidays. Adding something new and positive to your life can be a way to counteract some of the stress and those feelings. Therapy can be an opportunity for you to talk through some of those feelings and allow yourself to de-stress and decompress a little bit and feel better about the situation you might be in. It can help you feel more grounded and more settled in your life. Everyone deals with the stress of family, travel, financial stress, job stress during the holiday season. Instead of bottling up some of those feelings, it's best to have an opportunity to express them. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, especially during the holidays. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this holiday season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash KCSN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, Dirk, I mentioned I was on my dad's couch watching this game and I'm finding myself coaching from the couch. And if you're like me, I think you should consider coaching from the sidelines instead by volunteering with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. Uh, Did you know that they have sports programs for local kids beyond after school programming? They offer leagues for baseball, softball, basketball, flag football, and more. So just search for some volunteer options on helpkckids.org. Registration is now open for the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Kansas City's Basketball League. This league is a great introductory experience for any young person just developing their hoop skills. All games are played on Saturdays starting January 13th. Postseason tournament championship games will be held downtown at the nationally recognized College of Basketball Experience. Register your child today. Check the link in the show notes for more information. All right. So I kind of tease this. I, I'm just going to be frank about it. I'm, I am still all in on this team. Um, I understand the struggles. Um, I understand. I mean, it, the, the worst, the biggest mm, 
hole on this team, the receivers, pops up in the worst situation possible and with the biggest audience possible. Like that was just like an explosion of just like, whoa, like like what happened here? Um, I'm talking about MVS dropping that ball, obviously. But some op optimistic signs here. We beat their ass in the trenches. Um, they have the game's best offensive line. Um, we had five sacks in the first half. Hurts, I believe, dropped back and either got sacked or scrambled more times than he actually got off a pass attempt. And he looked as uncomfortable as you can look for three and a half quarters of that game until, you know, the run game kind of gets going. Uh, they get their confidence up and he completes that deep pass. He, he basically made the one play uh, in the game. But our D-line took it to their offense line. They have a top three pass rush in the league. I mean, they set, they were second all-time in sacks last year. Um, I don't think it's quite as strong this year. But I would say the offensive line, um, it held up for the most part. That one sack early on was just like, oh shit, like the Eagles might uh, be a little fired up here and out to prove a point. When he just went right around Jawan Taylor. Uh, and they got the sack at the end or forced the intentional grounding at the end. But I think everybody was kind of shook by the MVS drop at that point. It was just kind of, that was almost like a helpless play. Um, but then the run game. Eagles have the number one run defense in the league. Chiefs put up the most yards they allowed all year in the first half. The most yards that the Eagles have allowed all season by 61. And the most they have allowed since week one of 2022. Um, so, I mean, once you do that, I, I really just came away thinking like we were the better team in the game. Um, and that's supposed to be the best team in the NFL. So I get it. We lost. Uh, and that doesn't, that shouldn't take away from the Eagles. They shouldn't feel like they're on top of the NFL right now. And that's fine. But we all know that these aren't the games that matter. We know like, like we lose to the Bengals, like we lose to the Bills in the regular season. Okay. Let's see when it matters. Um, and this would be a later meeting than those. This would be a Super Bowl meeting, so it's it's hard to project that. But, man, I'd fucking love to get that, especially if you're seeing Sirianni mouthing off to the Chiefs fans. God damn, I'll just fucking smack him. In the um, anyways, um, you know, a few other positives. How about, how about a shocking stat here? The Eagles receivers, maybe the best duo in the league in this game, nine catches, 112 yards. Chiefs receivers, 14 catches, 123 yards. We actually outproduced... The Eagles receiver, just our receivers, not even Travis Kelsey. Just, the Chiefs receivers outperformed one of the best duos. Um, there may have been a few drops in there. I, I didn't. I didn't see those. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, I, I mean, we're really looking at like three big mistakes here. You know, we kicked their ass, but we had the Mahomes interception, which was a terrible throw. We had a Travis Kelsey fumble, and then we had an MVS drop. Um, all three of those are easily correctable. Um, we don't expect Mahomes and Kelsey to do that. Um, we might expect MBS to do that at this point, but you know, mm -hmm. it's still catching an NFL pass. He's still capable of doing that, even though he failed at the biggest time in the in the midst of a terrible season for him. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I'm just I, I as as the dust has settled. Um, doing this show last night, um, which you flaked out on for being sick, and I commend you for that. And good call. Um, I think my tone has changed maybe a little bit, and I've. I don't know. I just I've come away complete a little more optimistic today, and I just think we are still, even with the offensive struggle, among the best teams in the league, and that is reflected because we are still still Super Bowl favorites according to Las Vegas. So um, I don't I don't want to turn my lack of confidence into just like a complete lack of optimism, 
because I mean, you, you kind of said it already, but like if the Eagles are the best team in the league, like that was probably the conversation on Tuesday. Well, they just beat the best team in the AFC. They've got the best record. I think by two, they're two games up on anybody. Everybody else has three losses. Yep. You know, or no lions. I think lions have two, I think either way, you know, I I guess I just walked away from that game saying, had the offense been anywhere near in the same, you know, county as the defense, it would have been an absolute blowout on Monday night. You know, Hertz did not attempt a pass on third down until seven minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And this is not because the Eagles were being exceptional on offense. It's because he literally couldn't get a throw off because he was either being sacked or pressured and running out. He could not throw the ball on third down until midway through the fourth quarter. The Chiefs defense annihilated the Eagles, annihilated them. They were absolutely shook. The new, the now betting favorite for the MVP was in shambles. They had nothing. I remember watching them after the Chiefs did that punt that they couldn't field, and then the Eagles got the ball. They ran what, like another wide receiver screen, and then another wide receiver screen, and then another wide receiver screen. And I'm just I like, think it was nothing. I'm sorry. Nothing. I think it was five of six plays they ran. They ran screens on. It was just like we're turning the offense and just seeing what happens if we do this, like take a shot in the dark. And most of them were unsuccessful, but they did pop one right up the middle that ended up being a big play, like a little middle screen screen into uh, Swift. Yeah, I, and it's that's that Texas route that is kind of in vogue right now, and they ran that play three or four times, and Swift made it work really well. I mean, honestly, it was like, it was almost, it's not exactly, it was more of an option route for Clyde at LSU, but it was basically how Clyde made his money. How he became a first-round pick was running that route out of the backfield. <clears throat> I mean, look, I listened to uh, the Ringer's Philly special. It's like their Philadelphia sports podcast, and it's got um, it had Shil Kapadia and um, uh, Ben Solek. And I'm listening to these guys, and in their just absolute thrill of beating the Chiefs in what was a game that obviously came down to the wire. And what they described that game as was simply giving the Eagles offense too many chances, and it only happened because the Chiefs offense couldn't do their part. They were talking about how in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs had eight possessions and they put up 38 points. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a defensive score in there. But the Chiefs offense only had eight possessions in the Super Bowl. They had 12, Dirk. They got the ball 12 times and put up 17 points. They ran 74 offensive plays. Shit's whack out there on offense, man. Second half drives. Punt, punt, fumble, punt, punt, downs. They ran Four, three, 12, and then the fumble. Six, three, nine, and turned it over. They gained 137 yards in the second half at 3.7 yards per play. The run pass ratio in the second half, 27 to nine. And don't get me wrong, I understand that the success rate on runs in the second half was probably going down. Maybe, you know, when you're not looking at situation, um, 
hey, we hand it off on first and 10, gain two yards, but there's a hold. Now it's first and 18, and oh shit, they're not going to run the ball then. I mean, like, I get that there are things that happened, but I just, just because I'm not confident that the offense is, that, that Mahomes is still like the absolute terminator at the end of the game doesn't mean that I'm not optimistic about their chances for the season, but my God, man, they have some stuff that they have to figure out on offense because that defensive performance to me is one of the most impressive things that I have ever watched. They, Philadelphia had nothing. The chamber was completely freaking empty. They got like three plays from DeAndre Swift. They got one great matchup with Mike Edwards manned up on Devonta Smith and a great throw downfield and a great adjustment by the receiver. And he ends up getting down at the one. It's like a 40-yard play. They basically got like three explosive plays. And then I saw one adjustment that they made and Spagnolo said we were ready for it. The QB draw that scored the touchdown, he's like, we actually prepared for it. We knew it was coming and we just didn't play it exactly right. But I think we even had the right call on the play. I mean, they were on top of everything that Philadelphia tried to do offensively. And again, we're talking about the now betting favorite for league MVP. And he looked like he he looked worse than Zach Wilson did against this defense. I mean, the Chiefs defense was on such a heater in that game that for you to have a double digit lead going into halftime and six different opportunities to put that game away in the second half and you can't manage anything. I, and, and what did Philly's defense do? Did they make a play anywhere? I don't think so. I think this had absolutely nothing to do with who you were playing. And they're just in their heads, man, at this point. there's Whether we're talking about trust or what, I don't know what it is. But I am I, I just, I'm sweating. I'm so angry. Because they just had no business losing that game. And I know it's just a regular season game. And, and like, it doesn't really matter. They've got tiebreakers over every single competitor in the AFC. The Ravens are a half game up because they haven't had their bye week yet. I'm not worried. I think that the Chiefs are still probably a shoe-in for the one seed because the, the schedule is nonsense. But if they keep playing like that, man, they put themselves... It's, it's what we talked about last week. It's the margins are so thin when you are a defensive team that everything has to go right. And that's where I think that this offense has to really look themselves in the mirror and say, are we playing to actually complement this defense? Because Pat can't make that throw to Justin Watson if he knows that they're a defensive team. I'm sorry, you can't take those risks. We cannot turn the ball over. We can't. And so I don't I don't want to see him put that ball up for grabs. I I it's like I'm they have to be playing as conservative as they possibly can. I think they need to be shutting things down and really leaning into that defense and trying to complement them, take points every single time that you can, eliminate the risks because if it's turnovers and it's penalties, if that's what they're blaming for these losses, then you got to play a different style of football. I feel like they're trying to hit all of these like intermediate, longer developing routes. Where is the quick game? Can you throw a slant? Can we get a slant? I'd love a slant. I'll give you $100 for a slant. We, we, threw, we threw a good slant. Watson just uh, dropped it on a uh, key play. Um, you know, that was, that, was, that was a hell of a rant. That, <laughs> I don't know if I'm just so shutting down. Man. I, I don't think shutting down is necessarily the answer. Um, I think you just want your best players to play better. 
I mean, if Mahomes doesn't throw that pick and Kelsey doesn't fumble, those are your two studs. Then th- I think this game is a walk away. Um, and so, yeah, I think the Eagles did a good job. They started shutting down the run in the second half. You're talking about the second half yardage. The funny thing is, you know, they talk about that the Super Bowl last year. The, the Chiefs gained every possible yard that they could in that second half because all they had was touchdown drives, except for getting out of the one yard line and then kicking the field goal at the end for the win. Um, so quite the uh, contrast to last year. Also, you know, not being able to do that against what is a terrible pass defense with the Eagles. Like I was kind of tweeting out some stats before the game. I couldn't believe how good their run defense was and how bad their pass defense was. Just like an ultimate funnel defense, if you will, that makes you kind of do it one way. Um, I do think they started paying more attention to the run in the second half. And they're like, well, let's, let's see if they can start to throw this thing. Um, and the Chiefs could. I mean, it did open up opportunities like MVS get behind the defense. We haven't seen a lot of that this year, just a receiver running open like that um, for all the problems that they've had. So they finally get it and get a good throw and then just can't convert the uh, the, the catch there. Um, but man, it it's just wild. I, I want to get into like the, the juju conundrum that I've kind of been talking about throughout the season. Um, that I, I just keep talking about and just I use it as a sign of optimism because it can't be this big of a fall. I want to get into that um, after after this. You got our DraftKings read here. A little break here. All right, Dirk. I know you said you didn't <laughs> want me to be thankful for anything else today, but there's a lot to be thankful for, whether it's your family or your friends or the food that everyone's going to enjoy on Thanksgiving Day. How about NFL football all week long, four straight days of games? Uh DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping your Thanksgiving week full of action as well. And new customers can bet just $5 on the NFL in order to score $150 instantly in bonus bets. No matter your appetite, there's something for you. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, live bets, and so much more. You name it, they've got it. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Case I wanted to say AHBKCSN so bad. The code is KCSN. All right? It's just... Kansas City Sports Network. New customers can bet five on the NFL Thanksgiving action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Use code KCSN. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, you must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Dirk. Talk to me about Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, I mean, I wish DraftKings would get here in California so I could like they could take my money. I mean, just just legalize it here. I'm 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 willing. I'm a betting loser. Take my money. Come take my money. I'm dying to. Um, send that send that up to the DraftKings bosses. Um, so this is a question I've been asking again and again and again. Um, I still don't have what I would consider a satisfactory answer. Um, and that is just this receiving this receiver room is the exact same as last year. Minus Juju Smith-Schuster, who was terrible this year, and you're adding Rasheed Rice, um, who was promising. Um, you know they are different. You know I do kind of buy the theory that Juju is just a professional, quote unquote, professional receiver 
Um, you know where he's going to be and you can trust him on third downs and that kind of stuff. Um, I, I mean, I get, I get it. I get the argument. Um, and that's, that's something, but look, look at it this way. If Juju Smith-Schuster were to miss a game last year for the Chiefs, do you know how much the Vegas line would move? Zero points. It would have moved zero points. And that's taking him off and putting no one in. We're taking him off and putting Rasheed Rice in this year. And all of a sudden, it's worth 6.7 points per game. That is the difference in scoring from last year to this year. Um, it, it just it's, it blows the mind. Um, I'm starting to look at other answers because I'm no longer using this as a reason to be optimistic because I, I just I was using that as be like, there's no way it can be this bad. It's going to pick up. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to retire that particular statement and just kind of come up with reasons for why it is different because you touched on it early. I think the loss of the enemy is part of it. Um, the funny thing is you talked about like, or we talked about Kelsey being maybe one of the persons that step up for that. I think he got yelled at by Andy twice during this game to kind of kind of settle his ass down. Um, and he was just kind of, I saw it early in the game. And then the one everyone else saw was later in the game when Andy like just really scowls at him. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. And I just don't know if there's anyone on the coaching staff to pick that up. I don't know what that is exactly. Just the act of yelling at someone and holding them accountable. Um, that's, you know, that's not a direct thing, but it is a big thing. Um, and so I do think that might have a, a, an effect this year. I do think Travis Kelsey, I do think we're starting to see him slow down quite a bit. Um, I don't think he's the same receiver as he was last year. I think the Chargers game threw us off the scent because he had his second most yardage in a game in his career and we're like holy shit like there there is the Travis Kelsey that's what we've been waiting to see um but I think that was just the Chargers being stupid and leaving him open the entire game um because he just doesn't just the eye test of watching him he does not look the same um I reeled off a bunch of stats last week that are down this year uh most notably kind of yards after the catch um, we just don't see the same wiggle from him. It's kind of like he used to win with like athleticism and then he kind of, you know, kind of lost a step, but he started to win with like, you know, being savvy and like finding holes and doing all this. Um, and I think maybe he's lost another step in there and it's just been kind of hard. He's still a great player and probably the best tight end in the league. Uh, so I don't want to go too hard here. Um, but that does make a difference when you have a lowly receiving core like they do and you need Travis Kelsey to help pick everybody else up. And I don't think he's quite able to this year um the other one i think is you can jump in go can i ask you a question about travis um you know the quotes from the wall street journal article started making the rounds about you know often i, think about, I, I haven't read it it's paywall i saw um, the retirement quote Talking about retirement, talking about you have no idea how hard it is to like keep going to work physically. He basically said, I feel all 11 surgeries in my body every day. Um, and Travis is now at a point where he has seen his post NFL career. He's had a taste of it. He's, he's been on Saturday Night Live. He's been asked to come back just to do like a fun little thing on Saturday Night Live. He's, you know, flying around and seeing his girlfriend, the most famous person on the planet. He's jumping on the stage before the game today and everyone's like, oh my God. Like, I don't know if people recognize like 
he has entered a new tier of popularity because of Taylor Swift. He he, he might be more famous than Mahomes. He might be I, more famous than Mahomes. I insane. Right. I mean, I I think that Kelsey had fewer than a million Instagram followers before he started dating uh, Taylor Swift, and he's at like seven million Instagram followers now. I mean, he he is in a completely different world, and I I think that. All of those things are going to start tugging at him. And like at most to me now, I think Travis has one more season. And I literally would not be surprised no matter how this season ends. If he wasn't back next year, I would not be surprised if he retired. Um, He does not look the same physically. He might, he might just be dealing with lingering injuries from the hyperextended knee um, to start the season. And, you know, maybe a couple other things where he's gotten rolled up on, um, hopefully he doesn't see any of Logan Wilson, uh, when we play the Bengals in a few weeks. Um, I just, um, what's, what's that, man? Oh, he's the guy that was doing that hip drop tackle. Oh. injured like all three Ravens in one game. Um, I, I just, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, there are certain parts of his game that I think can translate to being an older, you know, Jason Whitney type of player. But like you mentioned, like the the yards after catch type of stuff. I mean, I I tweeted during the game like the dream shake from Travis Kelsey. The defender is on my back, and I'm gonna fake spin one way and go the other, like I'm playing in the post, and it gains me an extra seven, eight, ten yards. That move is dead, man. He doesn't have it, and I I see that like the stats are still kind of there. Um, you know, he he's got five touchdowns. He's being targeted. He only has fewer than nine targets in a game once, and that was against Miami. I I just um I think that we are seeing the end of Travis Kelsey. And so when people bring up these when people have these comments about like we're wasting a year of Mahomes' prime, uh I, I go back to no, we're wasting the end of Travis Kelsey's career. If we're wasting anything, it's we've got one or two shots left with Travis here. And I don't think anything's being wasted, but I do think it's important for people to recognize that, like, we don't have much time left with this guy. It's every moment is 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 precious as far as his football playing career is concerned. Um, I I'm glad you brought that up. I I I fucking hate that sentiment that we're wasting anything. We're not wasting like, anything. Yeah. Like, like the idea, just because we don't have receivers, like we used that philosophy last year and won the Super Bowl. Like we're one for one in this philosophy right now, and we're current Super Bowl favorites. So how are we wasting anything? And I mean, yeah, you can add a receiver, but you also have to make like a corresponding move. So then you're looking at, you know, like people want to say DeAndre Hopkins, and he probably makes a big difference for the offense this year. But you're probably losing Charles Aminahu. You're probably losing Drew Tranquil. Like there has to be corresponding moves to make that money work. Um, so I think the, you know, just just adding a receiver um, isn't isn't like the answer that people think it is. And, and you probably take that now, seeing what the offense is. But I would have bet anything on the offense being a much better than it is right now, and you know, at least similar to last year, um, if not a total full. Um, finishing up this these thoughts here on the Juju thing, um, I do think it's something that like defensive coordinators kind of got to look at our offense for a whole off season instead of just seeing our offense post Tyreek for the first time in week one, and then just kind of making adjustments on the fly throughout the season last year. Um, 
And now they got a whole offseason to look at it and see what they're doing different. And, you know, oh shit, like maybe the receivers aren't that good. Make them beat us. You know, do everything we can to lock down Travis Kelsey, unless your name is Brandon Staley. Um, but then one last thought on like the receiving core that kind of came to me. And it's kind of like a 2020 Super Bowl offensive line comparison because early in that season, they lost their best player on the offensive line. They lost Mitch Schwartz and they're like, oh man, huge loss. Let's throw in Mike Rimmers and, you know, we can help him out. We can give him some extra attention here, um, but we we can survive. Like we can overcome this. And it's to a point where like, holy shit, we did overcome it. Um, we hardly skipped a beat and, you know, we just kept on rolling with Mike Rimmers, who's clearly a much worse player uh, than Mitch Schwartz. But then they lost Eric Fisher on the other side before the Super Bowl. And that was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. And now all of a sudden, you're, you're trying to do too much. You're trying to fix this hole and fix this hole and do all this. And that's kind of the Juju comparison. You know, Tyreek would be Mitch Schwartz in this comparison and Juju would be Eric Fisher. And it's like, we were fine losing the top guy because we could we, we could game plan around it, do all these things. But now losing this guy too, it's just like one move too much. Uh, and that would be Juju. And now it's just like one less receiver. Because I don't... The receiving room, I, there's just nobody they can trust. Every single person you throw out there, it's like Watson was the one guy you trust, and now you put him out there and he has three drops all in, in big spots in this game. Um, so the, it's just a tough spot. I don't I don't think they know what to do at receiver. Uh, I think I saw Sky Moore's snaps go back up after dropping way down the week before. I, I, I think they're just kind of lost for words. Like, they can't get anybody that they trust. Everybody wants more Rasheed Rice, but there's a video going around this week, you know, of Rasheed Rice not running... I don't think it's the wrong routes, but they're kind of running these routes for him to settle in different spots and zones, and he's not quite doing it. Mahomes is kind of looking his way and then can't quite fire it in there because he's not where he wants him to be. Um, so it's just like each of the receivers have these these different problems, uh, and it's just leaving to you know what we've seen, obviously. So I um, there's there's a couple things going on here, and and ultimately I think you know we're getting to about the 45 minute mark, and we've talked a little bit about what the defense did to the Eagles, but I think we need to give them some more time. Um, but to to try as best I can to kind of cap that receiver conversation. Um, I think that one of the challenges of this Andy Reid offense, and and maybe this is the case for most offenses, and and I'm I'm just in the whatever the echo chamber of the Andy Reid offense. Um, but one of the challenges, particularly for young players, is that it seems like so much of what they're asked to do in terms of the routes that they run is based on the coverage that they see. It's not just, hey, you called that I'm going to run you know, a, a 10 yard out and that's what I'm running no matter what the corner is doing. Like the way that we think about it in Madden, they're not going to, to ad lib, right? They're going to do these things in time. And Mahomes is constantly extending plays and and so that is what makes him magical but when you have these young receivers I almost think that they're like doing too much um that they're asking a little too much of them that we need to simplify it and and that's why I say like can we just can we run a slant like give me a slant I would run Rasheed Rice on 10 slants a game and throw him four of them like, I think that it just needs to be something that is clearly defined and easy for these guys to to do. And and I I mean, they're professionals, right? And and they gotta learn one way or another, but I just 
I don't, I don't know, man. I, I look back at the Eagles game specifically, and I don't necessarily understand like how uh, the the game plan comes together and how they choose to deploy these different guys. Um, I saw only forty percent of the snaps for Noah Gray, and to me, if you want to try to take some of those receiving snaps down, try to pare them down so that you're focusing on like two or three or four bodies at most. I think that going to 12 and 13 personnel is a good choice. Um, I I would like to see a little more Noah Gray in the offense personally, especially given my sentiments about where we're at in Travis's career. Um, I'm, I want to ask you something funny, though, about these receivers, because I I heard, heard a conspiracy theory that I think fits into the amateur hour vibe here. I'm in. I have been trying. I believe it. I, believe it. I don't even need to hear it. <laughs> I've been trying to tell people, look, if you have a problem with Justin Watson, talk to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick is the one that's throwing him the ball. But like, if he's on the field, Patrick is targeting him. Patrick seems to trust him. He seems to like him. Like, for all intents and purposes, this is a Patrick Mahomes problem, not a Justin Watson problem. I heard a, I heard a theory that Mahomes targeted Justin Watson 11 times in order to prove a point to them. He doesn't like Justin Watson. You keep putting him out here? Okay, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like if you want Justin Watson to be the guy that's leading our receiver room. I'll throw it to him 11 times and see how that goes. You, 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 you buying any of that, Dirk? You buying any of that? Nah, nah. Well, I mean, you're like, I buy it before, before I even <laughs> It's no? like any conspiracy theory. Like, I, I want to believe it, and then I hear the facts of it, and I'm like, you guys are insane. You're nuts. <laughs> Um, um, but no, I mean, it, it, he has enough pull and Andy has enough trust in him. I think that if he were just like, I don't, you know, Watson shouldn't be the guy playing. Like, I think if anybody had any answers here, I think it's an open forum. Like, Kelsey, you got some answers on what you want to do here. Let's go. Well, um, I just, I, and I don't understand, like some of the people that, um, I, I see there's so much back and forth about who is getting targets and how many targets they're getting. And I am starting to come around to the idea that like, hey, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. And maybe if you have seven wide receivers, you don't have any. Um, they did only have... Throw Richie James in. Throw they, Richie James in there. They did only have six receivers um, involved in the game on Sunday. Um, McColl had the fewest number of snaps. Some of that may have had to do with his hand getting hurt. Something that I do think would be worth considering on this offense. Um, I mean, I, I last year I was thinking, we were constantly thinking, like, can we get more Sky Moore? Where are the manufactured touches for him? We saw him being used as a running back and all these different things in training camp. Um, I thought that the looks with Kadarius Tony just getting handoffs, literally being the running back in the backfield, were awesome. Um, and throwing more about I mean, well, that that one, I don't know if it's him or Donovan Smith or whatever, but you know, that that I don't it's it's one negative play. Um I kind of like the idea of maybe some Tony, maybe some Sky Moore, maybe some of these guys just like give them the ball, literally just hand it to them, especially the they're a running back after the catch type of stuff. Um I I just think that Mahomes has always he has been at his most special when he is buying time, but he has been at his best when he gets the ball out quick. And 
I don't think that they have tried to do the quick game much this year. And I want to see the screens and the slants and the hooks. I want to see some of the simple routes and just get into a rhythm and take the five or the 10 yards and stop trying to do more than that. I, if, if I see Pat try to extend another play with a bunch of receivers that apparently don't get the scramble drill, he's not on the same page with any of them except for Travis, essentially. I mean, Sky Moore's got one credit to his name in the scramble drill this year. Like, just stop extending plays, man. Throw the football. Get to the back of your drop and let it loose. And, and that's hopefully, honestly, what I think we're going to see against the Raiders. Like, if there is if there is a team that the Chiefs are going to take their frustrations out on, it looks like the uh, well, Vegas. There it is. If I want to say Los Angeles, want to say Oakland. I'm like, where the fuck is that team? God, they actually got a decent little pass defense this year. It came up out of nowhere. Um, but it, no, it's interesting. You talked about the scrambling around and making plays. Usually, I mean, the two guys you would look for last year when he did that was Travis Kelsey and Jared McKinnon. Um, and he kind of he kind of did it this week and then missed Kelsey on one, even though it was a really tough throw. He's kind of like stumbling on it, uh, but he was kind of open on that. And then another one where he's kind of falling to his left. I think it's third and 12 late in the game, I want to say, and he kind of flips it up, oh, and it's going to be like this. So perfect. It's going to be this beautiful play. Like, he has it, and the defender makes a really good play and just deflect. Like, he just jumps up and deflects it because he kind of puts the defender in a tough spot where he's charging towards him, and he has to either commit to the run on Mahomes or get to McKinnon, and he kind of goes at Mahomes and then deflects the pass. Yeah. Um, that was a really good play, and I was upset because I think McKinnon would have pop, caught that and then popped for a while. Uh, it would have been kind of it would have been kind of similar like that Broncos play last year. I don't I don't know how much room he had to take it for a touchdown or anything, uh, but I do think the fifth <laughs> first down. Can I ask you a question real quick before we move on? This is something that I I've, I've been thinking about. Like there there has there's been a lot of back and forth, at least that I have been watching on Twitter about uh, this is a Mahomes problem. He's not throwing it to the right guys or this that or the other. It, do you think that Patrick is supposed to see every single receiver on every single play? And if they get open at any time, then he's supposed to just know it. Absolutely not. Because that's that's almost like what it feels like the expectation is. It's like, oh, look at this like one part of one play where Sky Moore got open, but Scott Pat's got his back to him. Like he's the fourth read and it and and Sky gets open in in the first second and a half or something. And I just don't I know that Patrick Mahomes is amazing, but I don't think he's supposed to see 100% of the field 100% of the time. And if somebody ever gets open at all and he doesn't hit them, then it's a problem. I just, I just think I this, is, this is why you see people, I can't remember like who it was exactly, but like Kurt Warner kind of comes to mind, but like people kind of like pearl clutching over like releasing the all 22 to everybody uh, because a lot of people just don't know what they're talking about. Um, and it's kind of like creates this false narratives. I don't think it truly affects their job too much, but like it's, it is everybody getting on there like, oh man, he, look, here's a still, the, the still shots are the worst. Uh, like here's a picture of a guy of a receiver open. Like, why didn't you throw it? Um, so no, I, I don't think that necessarily, uh, but I do think, I mean, he's, he's missed some people, I guess, but the thing is with Mahomes, you can still catch. like, I thought he was pretty bad in the third quarter. And then I thought he came back and played a really great fourth quarter. Um, like that deep shot to MVS, uh, obviously. Uh, I mean, if, if he completes that, we're just like, Mahomes is back. Like, they, they got their swag back. Like, this is like this is yeah. huge. Especially because of the end of the game situation. It's like, I, I was so, so unconfident 
so lacking in confidence that if he does hit that shot, um, there's still, I think there was like a minute 45. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. I think it was probably after a two-minute warning. Yeah. Um, I got a real quick defensive beach. Uh, you get a lot of stuff still on the... I'm going to do it anyways. Um, Whatever you want. I've, I've seen a lot of criticism of Brett Beach, um, and I just... I The evaluations are bad, yes. Um, I don't think the process is bad. Um, they have invested, you know, two second-round picks, a third-round trade for a receiver, and $10 million on a veteran receiver. Um, the problem, obviously, is three of those four are busts. Um, but I, I think people just have kind of like a misconception about the NFL draft because you can always look at a player who's taken, you know, after anybody and be like, why didn't you draft him? Um, this is kind of compounded with Sky Moore because a, a lot of people with the Chiefs or in Chiefs Nation wanted uh, George Pickens, who went, did he end, up, he end up going after him? Is that right? Or right before him? They traded the big bit. They to- traded, I don't know if they traded to the Steelers. But Pickens went in the three or four picks that the Chiefs traded back. He went in that space. Okay, so I wanted to look at those draft picks and see how they stacked up against the other receivers around them. Um, so Sky Moore in the 2022 NFL draft goes in the second round. There's seven receivers taken in that round. He is fifth of the seven in yards. Um, there's only one of them that's above 1,000 career yards right now. That is Pickens. Um, and there's four wide receivers taken after Sky Moore. I think he's the last receiver in the second round. So all those guys were taken before. The four taken after him all have fewer yards than Sky Moore. Um, so, you know, I think that makes it look a little bit better. Go back to like the 2019 NFL draft because we're really, I, you know, Rasheed Rice he takes last year uh, or this year. And I think, I don't think anybody's mad about that pick. I think Rasheed Rice um, has shown a lot of promise. Um, so then we're going back to the 2019 draft where he takes Nicole Hardman. Uh, these are the only two receivers that he's really taken in the draft. Um, he traded a pick for Tony, obviously. Um, so McCole Hardman, McCole Hardman has more yards than the three receivers taken directly after him combined. So the next three after the receivers to go in that draft, McCole has more yards than all three of them combined. Um, and he's actually, so uh, Pro Football Reference has AV, which is adjusted value. It's just kind of putting stats to like a, like a single digit you know, value kind of thing. Um, for each, you know, whatever. Uh, so you sort it by that. He was actually the 37th highest value in that draft. Uh, and he was taken 56th over. Um, so, you know, a, a kind of a defense of that. Maybe the draft pick, maybe not as bad as you would think. Um, there were some studs in the McColl draft uh, taken right around of him. But there's all there's lots of busts, too. Um, it's just important to remember that, you know, a rule of thumb in the NFL draft, 50% of all picks are going to be busts. Um, so nobody's batting hundred percent. Nobody's even batting 80%, um, except maybe Veach in the last couple drafts. Um, so I, I think there was a lot of Veach criticism, but he has done so much more good than bad. And I can't believe that I am the guy coming here to the Veach, Brett Beach defense. Uh, I made a call circle. I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't. I'm I'm not gonna like give Veach a hard time about what he's done at receiver. Um I think that apart from the Steelers, who seem to always get it right at receiver, you know, I mean Antonio Brown was a sixth round pick. I mean, some of these guys that they've been able to develop are guys in the fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh rounds. Um and, and you know, I the Steelers they develop wide receivers better than maybe any franchise. 
But apart from that, like, it's just a total crapshoot, man. Like, I don't think that any team is really good at it. Maybe the Vikings uh, recently because they, you know, drafted Diggs. And then when they traded him, they immediately went to Justin Jefferson um, and got that right with a whole bunch of receivers around him. And then they turned around after they let Thielen go and they drafted Jordan Addison. And he's been fantastic this year. So there, there's something going on there in Minnesota. I just want to, like, head off the people who are going to say, well, Dirk, you were really selective in that 2019 class because the next three guys were terrible, but then the next three after that are DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, and Terry McLaurin. So uh, very, very selective sample size there, Dirk. Um, but 2019, some extenuating circumstances there, man. I mean, I think that they were looking at like Tyreek Hill might never play football again, and we need the speed. He was and so Hardman, um, but... I don't know. That's still kind of bogus to me because I think that Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, and Terry McLaurin all ran sub 4-4. They were not as fast as McCall Hardman, but they also knew how to play football instead of just be track guys. I don't know. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Um, I I think that the Chiefs aren't necessarily... I don't even think that they've done like poor evaluations at receiver or anything. I mean, this season... Last year, we talked about, oh, man, they traded Tyreek Hill, and it's all about rebuilding. And I told you guys early this year, this is the rebuilding. Because they used Juju Smith-Schuster, and they they used Marcus Valdez-Scaling to, like, be the bridge to help them, like, like cushion the blow of losing Tyreek. And this year, when it's, we expect them to start Sky Moore, and Kadarius Tony's supposed to be the wide receiver one, and they drafted Rasheed Rice. And I, I told you, I didn't think MBS was a huge part of the plan this year. You and I weren't on the same page there, um, and I I don't really know. I mean, given like the lack of production from the young guys, it does seem kind of crazy to me that MBS currently sits at about uh, 25%, I think, of his targets from last year, and he's over 50% of the way through the season. Uh, yes, 14 catches in 10 yeah, games. It, it's, 14. it's wild. Yes. I mean, I think that he and Sky have like 40 catches in 10 games, uh, which is just crazy talk, you know. Um, really, I think that I, I don't want to like like just parrot the point that we heard uh, from probably a lot of people in the aftermath of this game. That's uh, the ball. But I, I thought that I thought that Carrington put it like as bluntly as you can. They haven't gotten better. Uh, none of the receivers have improved this year. Not a single one of them. Uh, and you might be able to say Rasheed Rice potentially, but like he's just maybe been given more chances. But like Kadarius Tony is not a better football player than he was week one. Neither is Sky Moore or Marcus Scanling or Justin Ross or whomever you want to point at. Like none of those guys have improved this season. Um, and so they have the exact same room. And this was all about taking a shot and saying, we're going young. We're going young at this position, and it's going to be about their development. Um, I do think that in this offseason, the Chiefs are going to obviously prioritize the wide receiver position, and I, they might even overcompensate. Um, and I don't have a problem with that, because I've, yeah, I've yeah. seen a lot of people compare it to the 2006 Patriots, I believe, which was the whole Jabbar Gaffney and David Givens, and it was just very, very bad. And then they went out and got Randy Moss the next year. Um, and so I do that. I would not be surprised if the Chiefs ended up swinging for the fences at receiver in order to overcompensate uh, for how bad it's been this year. He here's the thing, though. 
and I, I think that we all probably know this, but we just need to remind ourselves that like, even though yes, it is now 10 games into the season and 11 weeks into the season, um, it still doesn't matter if these guys are, are like good right now. And honestly, they don't even have to have good careers. I need in the playoffs, one of these guys to have a good game three times. And it doesn't even have to be one guy. It could be three different guys. I need three decent games from wide receivers in order for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. That's all we need. And and really, I mean, if you look back, I mean, you had those receiving stats from the playoff games last year for the Chiefs. Not great. And they were they were minimal. Like it was it was unbelievable how much the receivers contributed in those playoff games. And yet the offense, you know, aside from the second half versus Cincy, when you know they're down three of those or four receivers and they're playing Marcus Kemp every snap. I mean, the offense performed at a very high level. I guess when Mahomes went down too, they kind of battled their injuries. Um, but yeah, it's, man. Another thing, injuries. Just uh, teams dropping like flies across the league. And you know, as bad as this loss sucked, the Chiefs remain healthy um, and still alive for everything they want to get to. Um, so you know, as much as this loss sucked, still plenty of reasons to be optimistic here. Season. Yeah, and I mean, going to defense, which we didn't even get to. I mean, how about? Sneed just shutting down A.J. Brown. Um, his stats against number one receivers are absurd. I love how he comes out every single game and just picks up an illegal hands to the face. It's almost like he tells the ref he's going to do it. He's like, you know, first quarter, you know, if there's going to be a first down and 10 here, I'm going to I'm gonna pop him in the face. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm just, and I'm just going to send a message. I'm going to do it. And this week was even weak. He hardly even got him, and they still call it. It's because he told the ref beforehand, like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it again. Did you ever see that uh, it's a, it was a car insurance commercial? They're talking about all the different types of bad drivers. And it's like they show the dude and he's like, I'm really tired. And then you pull up and it's like the husband and wife and the, the wife looks out the window. She's like, my husband's going to cut you off when the light turns green. <laughs> it's like, don't you just wish that you knew what was going to happen? And that's just precisely what it sounds like LeJarrius Sneed is doing. He's just going to tell the ref. He might as well even tell the receiver that he's covering like, I want to pop you in the mouth. It's going to happen. Um, I, I think that Monday night, despite the fact that the chiefs lost it is, has there ever been a more like, like gigantic all caps exclamation point? I have arrived than what Trim McDuffie put together that night. I mean, that dude blitzed. Was he even coverage? Did he even, did he even play a snap of coverage? Blitzed like eight times. He had two sacks. He was just absolutely all over the field. Um, forced another fumble. Yeah, forced another fumble. That's his fifth forced fumble of the year. Um, the, the defense was playing so well that I was in in the throes of all of that passion and heat and, and uh, desire. I was saying that they are the best defense in the NFL. Um, I, I think that the Chiefs defense was clearly, clearly, the best unit on the field in that game. Um, and, and I, I just, I marvel at where they're at. And I also start to get curious. It's a different conversation for a different day, but I get really curious about what this looks like next year, because they've got some interesting decisions that we've already kind of touched on a little bit between Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed, Mike Dana, and Willie Gay, Andrew Tranquil, um, and even Mike Edwards in there. Like there are some, key guys and what this defense has been able to do this year that they're going to have to figure out, you know, what their place is on this team. Isn't 
Isn't it crazy that like they've the defense has gotten to a point where they're so good that it's not even worth discussing anymore? Like it doesn't even it doesn't even we waited till the sixty minute mark to really discuss the defense because there's no other takes to have other than they're fucking awesome. Like yeah. this is this is kind of where we were with Mahomes before. Like what, what are you going to have a Mahomes conversation and just just go back and forth on he's awesome back and forth over and over? Like it's the offense and, and everything else that's like a question mark at this point, and the defense is just like, yeah. I I don't know what to add to the conversation. They're fucking awesome. They just they just go out there and dominate. And I mean that was kind of like my monologue last week was like not only are they a defensive team in 2023, and who is who's a defensive team in this day and age, um, but like I just I don't I don't really know how to talk about them. I don't know what to bring to the table because they are absolutely sensational. I I do want to say about the corners. Um, you can keep Sneed and McDuffie together for as long as you want, and it and it won't become like unaffordable for this team because McDuffie is on a rookie contract, and if you sign Sneed to an extension, let's say takes him to his thirty-one year old season when you have an out, and that is around the time when McDuffie is getting onto his fifth year option, or you're wanting to give him an extension, and then you can get rid of Sneed, like you can get the prime of Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie on this team together, and you're probably doing it under 20 million APY combined. Uh, and it, it might be a little bit more than that. Sneed is earning money. Of course, yeah. Sneed Lots should get paid. And he but everything is give and take. I mean, you got to make a decision on Sneed, and then that affects the decision on Jones, and then you're trying to revitalize the wide receiver room and throw money into that. Like, you can't do all of those. So this is just what you know, building an NFL roster is. The Chiefs have made the choice. You know, Mahomes can pick up the receiver room, which he did last year to its full extent. This year has been struggling, but it's going to affect how we build the defense. And now we're throwing assets at the defense, we're throwing draft picks at it, we're throwing money at it, and you've seen the final product. Like, it's not, they are very connected with each other that they are not throwing assets at the receiver room, or at least not big assets. They did cut throw second round picks into some of them, um, or one of them. Um, but those there's a direct correlation to that affecting the defense and it being so good as it is now. So everything is it's just one big evolving object. Uh, well, look, we've got the Raiders at 325, I believe, uh, on Sunday. I'm really hoping for like a like a breakout Kevin, game, like a Kevin Harlan uh, on the call. Maybe it's probably not going to be. I would think if it's 325, we probably have what Jim Nance and Tony Rello, I would guess, um, even though it's just Chiefs Raiders. Um, look, I... I think everybody's going to circle this game and say, hey, this is the get-right game. Uh, Kevin Harlan and Trent Green on the Chiefs Raiders. Yes! Let's freaking go! Just, you know, it's it's back to 1990s football. I heard Harlan call that drop, and he was just like, it was like, it was like 1995 all over again, hearing Kevin Harlan's voice, seeing these terrible receivers and this great defense. 1995, baby. We're back. I, that season uh, ended well, right? Is it last season ended good? Uh, 95? I think it, I think we want to. Run I don't on. think it was any better or worse than the other seasons in the nineties. Um, <laughs> I could not be more excited to play the Raiders with Kevin Harlan and Trey Green on the call. That is going to be a fantastic Sunday afternoon. Uh, that game is in Vegas. It's in Vegas. Yep. Yep. Cool. You going to go? No. I'm not going to drive out there. Okay. No. Uh, Dirk, I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for Amateur Hour. This has been Amateur Hour. Ryan Scott, all he uses Dirkness in. Justin Herbert is Philip Rivers. Go Chiefs.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.